Chapter Ten of Our Homes and Company. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jane Shanley. Our Homes and Company, being the remarkable adventures of Raffles Holmes, Esquire, Detective, and Amateur Cracksman by Birth by john kendrick bangs chapter ten the major-general's pepper-pots i had often wondered during the winter whether or no it would be quite the proper thing for me to take my friend raffles holmes into the sacred precincts of my club by some men and i am one of them the club despite the bad name that clubs in general have as being antagonistic to the home is looked upon as an institution that should be guarded almost as carefully against the intrusion of improper persons as is one's own habitat and while i should never have admitted for a moment that raffles was an undesirable chap to have around i could not deny that in view of the certain characteristics which i knew him to possess the propriety of taking him into the heraclene was seriously open to question my doubts were set at rest however on that point one day in january last when i observed seated at one of our luncheon tables the rev dr mulligatawny rector of the st mammon in the fields a highly esteemed member of the organization who had with him no less a person than mr e h merriman the railway magnate whose exploits in wall street have done much to give that golden highway the particular kind of perfume which it now exudes to the nostrils of people of sensitive honour surely if dr mulligatawny was within his rights in having mr merriman present i need have no misgivings as to mine in having raffles holmes at the same table the predatory instinct in his nature was as a drop of water in the sea to that ocean of known acquisitiveness which had floated mr merriman into his high place in the world of finance and as far as the moral side of the two men was considered respectively i felt tolerably confident that the recording angel's account books would show a larger balance on the right side to the credit of raffles than to that of his more famous contemporary hence it was that i decided the question in my friend's favour and a week or two later had him in at the heraclene for luncheon the dining-room was filled with the usual assortment of interesting men men who had really done something in life and who suffered from none of that selfish modesty which leads some of us to hide our light under the bushel of silence there was the honourable poultry tickletoe the historian whose articles on the shoddy quality of the modern panama hat have created such a stir through the hat trade mr william darlington ponkapog the poet whose epic on the reign of gold is one of the longest and some writers say the thickest in the english language james whistleton potts the eminent portraitist whose limnings of his patience have won him a high place among the characterists of the age robert dozyphrase the expatriated american novelist 
now of london whose latest volume of sketches entitled intricacies has been equally the delight of his followers and the despair of students of the occult and what is more to the purpose of our story major-general carrington cox u s a retired these gentlemen with others of equal distinction whom i have not the space to name were discussing with some degree of simultaneity their own achievements in the various fields of endeavour to which their lives had been devoted they occupied the large centre-table which has for many a year been the point of contact for the distinguished minds of which the membership of the heracleen is made up the tennis-net as it were over which the verbal balls of discussion have for so many years volleyed to the delight of countless listeners raffles and i sat apart at one of the smaller tables by the window where we could hear as much of the conversation at the larger board as we wished so many members of the heracleen are deaf that to talk loud has become quite de rigueur there and at the same time hold converse with each other in tones best suited to the confidential quality of our communications we had enjoyed the first two courses of our repast when we became aware that general carrington cox had succeeded in getting to the floor and as he proceeded with what he had to say i observed in spite of his efforts to conceal the fact that raffles holmes was more deeply interested in the story the general was telling than in such chance observations as i was making hence i finished the luncheon in silence and even as did holmes listened to the general's periods and they were as usual worth listening to it was in the early eighties said general cox i was informally attached to the spanish legation at madrid the king of spain alfonso the twelfth was about to be married to the highly esteemed lady who is now the queen mother of that very interesting youth alfonso the thirteenth in anticipation of the event the city was in a fever of gaiety and excitement that always attends upon a royal function of that nature madrid was crowded with visitors of all sorts some of them not as desirable as they might be and here and there in the necessary laxity of the hour one or two perhaps that were most inimical to the personal safety and general welfare of the king alfonso like many other royal personage was given to the old harun al rashid habit of travelling about at night in a more or less impenetrable incognito much to the distaste of his ministers and to the apprehension of the police who did not view with any too much satisfaction the possibility of disaster to the royal person and the consequent blame that would rest upon their shoulders should anything of a serious nature befall to all of this however the king was oblivious and it so happened one night that in the course of his wanderings he met with a long dreaded mix-up he and his two companions fell in with a party of cutthroats who promptly proceeded to hold them up the companions were speedily put out of business by the attacking party and the king 
found himself in the midst of a very serious misadventure the least issue from which bade fair to be a thorough beating if not an attempt on his life it was at the moment when his chances of escape were not one in a million when on my way home from the legation where i had been detained to a very late hour i came upon him struggling in the hands of four as nasty ruffians as you will find this side of the gallows one of them held him by the arms another was giving him a fairly expert imitation of how it feels to be garroted which the other two were rifling his pockets this was too much for me i was in pretty fit physical condition at that time and felt myself to be quite the equal in a good old anglo-saxon fist-fight of any dozen ordinary castilians so i plunged into the fray heart and soul not for an instant dreaming however what was the quality of the person to whose assistance i had come my first step was to bowl over the garroter expecting no interference in his nefarious pursuit and unwarned by his companion who were too busily engaged in their adventure of loot to observe my approach he was easy prey and the good hard whack that i gave him just under his right ear sent him flying an unconscious mass of villainous clay into the gutter the surprise of the onslaught was such that the other three jumped backward thereby releasing the king's arms so that we were now two to three which in a moment became two to two for i lost no time in knocking out my second man with as pretty a solar plexus as you ever saw there is nothing in the world more demoralizing than a good solid blow straight from the shoulder to chaps whose ideas of fighting is to sneak up behind you and choke you to death or to stick a knife in the small of your back and had i been far less expert with my fists i should still have had an incalculable moral advantage over such riff-raff once the odds in the matter of numbers were even the king and i had no further difficulty in handling the others his majesty's quarry got away by the simple act of taking to his heels and mine turning to do likewise received a salute from my right toe which if i am any judge must have driven the upper end of his spine up through the top of his head left alone his majesty held out his hand and thanked me profusely for my timely aid and asked my name we thereupon bade each other good-night and i went on to my lodging little dreaming of the service i had rendered to the nation the following day i was astonished to receive at the legation a communication bearing the royal seal commanding me to appear at the palace at once the summons was obeyed and upon entering the palace i was immediately ushered into the presence of the king he received me most graciously dismissing however all his attendants colonel cox he said after the first formal greetings were over you rendered me a great service last night i your majesty said i in what way 
by putting those ruffians to flight said he ah said i then the gentleman attacked was one of your majesty's friends i would have it so appear said the king for a great many reasons i should prefer that it were not known that it was i you your majesty i cried really astonished i had no idea you are discretion itself colonel cox laughed the king and to assure you of my appreciation of the fact i beg that you will accept a small gift which you will some day shortly receive anonymously it will not be at all commensurate to the service you have rendered me nor to the discretion which you have already so kindly observed regarding the principles involved in last night's affair but in the spirit of friendly interest and appreciation back of it i began to try to tell his majesty that my government did not permit me to accept gifts of any kind from persons royal or otherwise but it was not possible to do so and twenty minutes later my audience was over and i returned to the legation with the uncomfortable sense of having placed myself in a position where i must either violate the king's confidence to acquire the permission of congress to accept his gift or break the laws by which all who are connected with the diplomatic service directly or indirectly are strictly governed i assure you it was not in the least degree in the hope of personal profit that i chose the latter course ten days later a pair of massive golden pepper-pots came to me and as the king had intimated would be the case there was nothing about them to show whence they had come taken altogether they were the most exquisitely wrought specimens of the goldsmith's artistry that i had ever seen and upon their underside was inscribed in a cipher which no one unfamiliar with the affair of that midnight fracas would even have observed a r to c c alfonso rex to carrington cox being of course the significance thereof they were put away with my other belongings and two years later when my activities were transferred to london i took them away with me in london i chose to live in chambers and was soon established at number seven park place st james a more than comfortable and centrally located apartment house where i found pretty much everything in the way of convenience that a man situated as i was could reasonably ask for i had not been there more than six months however when something happened that made the ease of apartment life seem somewhat less desirable that is my rooms were broken open during my absence overnight on a little canoeing trip to henley and about everything valuable in my possession was removed including the truly regal pepper-pots sent me by his majesty the king of spain that i had carelessly left standing upon my sideboard until last week the general continued nor hide nor hair of any of my stolen possessions was ever discovered but last thursday night i accepted the invitation of a gentleman 
well known in this country as a leader of finance a veritable captain of industry the soul of honour and one of the most genial hosts imaginable i sat down at his table at eight o'clock and will you believe me gentlemen one of the first objects to greet my eye upon the brilliantly set napery was nothing less than one of my lost pepper-pots there was no mistaking it unique in pattern it was certain of identification anyhow but what made it the more certain was the cipher a r to c c and of course you claimed it asked dozy phrase of course i did nothing of the sort retorted the general i trust i am not so lacking in manners i merely remarked its beauty and quaintness and massiveness and general artistry my host expressed pleasure at my appreciation of its qualities and volunteered the information that it was a little thing he had picked up in a curio shop on regent street london last summer he had acquired it in perfect good faith what its history had been from the time i lost it until then i am not aware but there it was and under circumstances of such a character that although it was indubitably my property a strong sense of the proprieties prevented me from regaining its possession who was your host general asked tickletoe the general laughed that's telling said he i don't care to go into any further details because some of you well-meaning friends of mine might suggest to mr ahem uh well never mind his name that he should return the pepper-pot and i know that that is what he would do if he were familiar with the facts that i have just narrated it was at about this point that the gathering broke up and after our cigars holmes and i left the club come up to my rooms a moment said raffles as we emerged upon the street i want to show you something all right said i i've nothing in particular to do this afternoon that was a rather interesting tale of the general's wasn't it i added very said holmes i guess it's not an uncommon experience however in these days for the well-to-do and well-meaning to be in possession of stolen property the fact of its turning up again under the general's very nose so many years later however that is unusual the case will appear even more so before the day is over if i am right in one of my conjectures what raffles holmes conjecture was was soon to be made clear in a few minutes we had reached his apartment and there unlocking a huge iron-bound chest in his bedroom we produced from its capacious depths another gold pepper-pot this he handed to me there's the mate he observed quietly by jove raffles it must be i cried for beyond all question in the woof of the design on the base of the pepper-pot was the cipher a r to c c where the dickens did you get it that was a wedding present to my mother he explained that's why i have never sold it not even when i've been on the edge of starvation from whom do you happen to know i inquired yes he replied i do know it was a wedding present to the daughter of raffles by her father my grandfather raffles himself great heavens i cried then it was raffles who well 
you know that london flat job precisely said raffles holmes we've caught the old gentleman red-handed well i'll be jiggered said i doesn't it beat creation how small the world is it does indeed i wonder who the chap is who has the other raffles observed pretty square of the old general to keep quiet about it said i yes said holmes that's why i'm going to restore this one i wish i could give em both back i don't think my old grandfather would have taken the stuff if he'd known what a dead game sport the old general was and i sort of feel myself under an obligation to make amends you can send him the one you've got through the express companies anonymously said i no said holmes the general left them on his sideboard and on his sideboard he must find them if we could only find out the name of his host last thursday i tell you look in the sunday gazoo supplement said i they frequently publish short paragraphs of the social doings of the week you might get a clue there good idea said holmes i happen to have it here too there was an article in it last sunday giving a diagram of howard vandergould's new house at nippins point long island which i meant to cut out for future reference holmes secured the gazoo and between us we made a pretty thorough search of its contents especially the doings of society columns and at last we found it as follows a small dinner of thirty was given on thursday evening last in honor of mr and mrs wilbur raddington of boston by mrs raddington's brother john d bruce of bruce watkins and company at the latter's residence seventy four fifth avenue among mr bruce's guests were mr and mrs w k dandervelt mr and mrs alicia scrooge jr major-general carrington cox mr and mrs henderson scoville and signor caruso old bruce eh laughed holmes sans pure et sans reproach well that is interesting one of the few honest railroad bankers in the country a pillar of the church a leading reformer a stolen pepper-pot on his table gee what are you going to do now i asked write to bruce and tell him the facts holmes's answer was a glance oh cream cakes he ejaculated with profane emphasis a week after the incidents just described he walked into my room with a small package under his arm there's the pair he observed unwrapping the parcel and displaying its contents two superb golden pepper pots both inscribed a r to c c beauties aren't they they are indeed did bruce give it up willingly i asked he never said a word laughed holmes fact is he snored all the time i was there snored said i yes you see it was at three thirty this morning said holmes and i went in the back way climbed up to the extension roof in through bruce's bedroom window downstairs to the dining-room while bruce slept unconscious of my arrival the house next to his is vacant you know and it was easy travelling you you i began yes that's it said he just a plain vulgar bit of second-story business and i got it there were a lot of other good things lying around he added with a gulp 
but well i was writing a wrong this time so i let him alone and barring this i didn't deprive old bruce of a blooming thing not even a wink of sleep and now what i demanded it's me for cedarhurst that's where the general lives said he i'll get there about eleven thirty to-night and as soon as all is quiet jenkins your old pal raffles holmes will climb easily up to the piazza gently slide back the bolts of the french windows in the general's dining-room proceed cautiously to the sideboard and replace thereon these two souvenirs of a brave act by a good old sport whence they never would have been taken had my grandfather known his man you are taking a terrible risk raffles said i you can just as easily send the things to the general by express anonymously jenkins he replied that suggestion does you little credit and appeals neither to the raffles nor the homes in me pusillanimity was a word which neither of my forebears could ever learn to use it was too long for one thing and besides that it was never needed in their business and with that he left me well general said i to general cox a week later at the club heard anything further about your pepper-pots yet most singular thing jenkins said he the darn things turned up again one morning last week and where the devil they came from i can't imagine one of them however had a piece of paper in it on which was written returned with thanks for their use and apologies for having kept them so long the general opened his wallet and handed me a slip which he took from it there it is what in thunder do you make out of it he asked it was in raffles holmes's handwriting looks to me as though bruce also had been robbed i laughed bruce who the devil said anything about bruce demanded the general why didn't you tell us he had one of em on his table said i reddening did i frowned the general well if i did i must be a confounded ass i thought i took particular pains not to mention bruce's name in the matter and then he laughed i shall have to be careful when bruce comes to dine with me not to have those pepper-pots in evidence he said he might ask embarrassing questions and thus it was that raffles holmes atoned for at least one of the offences of his illustrious grandsire the end end of chapter ten Recording by Jane Shanley, Bilrica, Mass.